And you might want to go ahead and grab this because we're using it later. And it's seat in front of you. There's something that says service opportunities, this little half-sheet response form. There also uh, should be a True Life membership covenant. And this would only apply if you're already a member. You may grab this. We'll use this later. So uh, really, we do something very similar, the same thing in a different way maybe, uh, the first Sunday of every year. Because one of the things I believe, we believe as a church, is that God is on a mission to redeem a fallen world through Jesus Christ. And his plan for doing that is the local church, empowered by the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying there's not a place for parachurch organizations, those kind of things, but that's secondary at best. God's plan uh, for uh, redeeming people through the finished work of Christ is the local church. And so I just want to remind us today of that, of uh, you know, what God's called us to do, of how we try to go about accomplishing that uh, at True Life. But uh, I want to you know, ground it in, in, in a passage of Scripture. It's not the normal expository message. We'll get back into Luke in a couple of weeks, uh, Lord willing. But uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 40 through 47. And, and something that Luke liked to do under the leading of the Holy Spirit was kind of give these occasional summary statements. Uh, you know, Acts chapter 2, the earlier part of the chapter, pictures the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost, Peter preaching, there's 3,000 people that get saved and baptized, and then after that, uh, Luke just kind of gives this update, this summary statement about the church, and so he writes this, he says of Peter, with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation, which was kind of a summation of his sermon. It says, then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. So uh, the, the church, which is a model for us, was evangelizing. And then it says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So they had sound doctrine, biblical teaching. It's a model for us. And fellowship, the word fellowship means the common life that we have together in Christ. We're family, we're brothers and sisters, we're to live like it, uh, you know, share life together, to support, encourage one another. It says they continued in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Jesus said that my house is to be a house of prayer for all uh, the nations. Uh, that's part of what the church is supposed to, to be, to do. And it says then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So the church is a place of ministry, a place of care, a place of generosity, a place of serving one another. And then it says, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Praising God, so they worshiped God, they were, they were united together. Uh, it says, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And you know, one of my prayers for True Life in 2024 is that through True Life and our, our church plants and our missions partners, that we'd see at least 365 people saved and baptized daily. And I think that through the church plants uh, that that could happen. Um, you know, last year, just right after our 20th anniversary, I, I shared, um, you know, what was kind of a, a dream, I guess, for the next 20 years. 
And, it, you know, it, it wasn't a prophecy. It wasn't a strategy. It was a dream. Um, and, you know, really my prayer is that God would do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond what I could ask or think. Um, you know, it, it's my hope and my desire that, that God lets me be a part of that for the next 20 years. Uh, I will, time will tell if that's his will or not, but it doesn't really matter if I'm a part of it or not. You know, I hope if Jesus delays his coming that 100 years from now, the true life will be doing greater things through the power of uh, the, the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, one thing about having elders, having a plurality of pastors, is something could happen to me tomorrow and there's no void of leadership uh, at that point. That's not something that you have to uh, worry about. But, you know, just to kind of, just quickly, just kind of review, uh, you know, my, my dream for True Life in the next 20 years is through us and our church plants that would continue to multiply, that we'd see thousands of people saved, baptized, growing in, in Christ, making a difference in the world. Now that's certainly us continuing to grow here. You know, at some point, us being able to build, to accommodate more people, to be debt-free. Uh, you know, it's my dream for the future, really, for now, that we would see, you know, 80 plus percent of our church plugged into small groups, that we could continue to plant churches locally, that we would make a difference in our community through things like Celebrate Recovery, Recovery Ministry, and a counseling center, and meeting practical needs in, in, in people's lives, that we would see over time dozens and dozens of people called out, sent out into, into full-time ministry, but that all of us, in whatever our vocation is, that that vocation would be our ministry and that we would be making a difference in that sphere of life because... That's part of what the church is called to do. You know, you're a Christian wherever you are. To be salt and light, to make a difference where you are outside the four walls of the church. That, you know, we'd have hundreds of healthy, godly families raising their kids to follow Christ. That we would have exceptional children's and youth ministries that are partnering with parents in doing that. That, you know, God would use King's Corner to transform uh, the, the South Cumberland area of Morristown. The children of Christ would continue to multiply and plant Micronesian congregations in, in, in Tennessee and, and around the world, that the training centers in, in Honduras and in Central America would continue to spread and, and would train up pastors and church leaders. And out of that, uh, a multitude of churches would be planted and would be a part of reaching those countries for Christ that we continue to train pastors in Uganda and see churches planted, see a church planting movement uh, there. And then, you know, the, the last thing that I talked about in doing this last year, that is in the next 20 years that we would see God use us as a part of reaching an unreached people group. Well, that happened in year one. Because you remember us talking about in Uganda, the Ringe people, uh, in an unreached Muslim group uh, in, in, in north, I think it's northeast Uganda. John could correct that if that's incorrect. But, uh, you know, we saw some of them come to Christ and, and, and be baptized uh, this year. And again, I don't know exactly what God's going to do, but I believe biblically those are the kind of things that he wants to do through us. 
if we'll be willing and available and obedient and function in the power of the Holy Spirit, I mean, take the power of the Holy Spirit because that's certainly a God-sized dream. It'll take prayer. And that's one of the things that I would encourage us this year, just you know, to be in prayer for the church and for these things and for God's power to be at work in, in, in people's lives. I mean, listen, with where the world is, with where people are, with people struggling and people lost, people need the power of God. How do we connect with the power of God? But one of the ways we do that is, is through prayer. Listen, for the early church in the book of Acts, prayer was not a last resort. It was a first priority. And it ought to be the same way for us. I mean, think about it. The church was birthed out of a prayer meeting. If you go back to Acts chapter 1, there were 120 people in an upper room, it says. And it says, Acts 1.14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication uh, with the women and, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and, and with his brothers. Acts chapter 4, the church is being persecuted. How did they respond? They responded by having a prayer meeting. And the result of that, verse 31 says, When they had prayed, the place where they were uh, assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So one of the things that is going out sometime this morning via email and on our social media, it's just a prayer guide that you could use this year if you prefer or a paper copy as opposed to digital. There's some out in the lobby. And just encourage you to use those and just consistently be in prayer for these things. We're not just doing what we can do or getting what we can do. We're getting what God can do through us as we rely on Him and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's kind of the 35,000-foot view Let's kind of come in a little bit lower and just kind of focus maybe on some more uh, specifics. And, you know, I, I don't really have anything big and new to reveal to you today. I mean, I think the elders feel like really we're on the right track. We just keep, need to keep doing what we're doing more and better, uh, but that we're doing the kind of things as far as how we approach things that God's called us to do. I'm not saying our way is the way. It's an A way, but it's, it's how we feel like God has wired true life to accomplish the Great Commission, which is the mission of every church. I mean, you can go about it maybe in how you do it in a little different ways, but the church, the church, every local church has one mission, which is the Great Commission. Now, we've kind of summarized that in our mission statement to say to meet people where they are and help them become fully devoted followers of Christ. So what that means is if you're a follower of Christ, what we're called to do is to meet people where they are and help them meet Jesus, help them grow in Christ, help them become a fully devoted follower of Christ. Or, I think another way to say it, and I don't want to formally change our mission statement, but this is really, I kind of adapted this from another church, but this will be my heart at this point, is that we exist to create a movement of disciples making other disciples in the Lakeway area and around the world. That's what God's called us to do as a church. We exist to be a movement of disciples making other disciples in the Lakeway area and around the world. Isn't that what the Great Commission is? Uh, Jesus put it this way. That's his marching orders for the church. Matthew 28. And listen, if you're going to be successful, you got to know what the mission is and be united together in fulfilling that mission, right? I mean, any organization. If, if the mission's cloudy or if people have their own agendas, their own missions, uh, you know, the word division, it's die and vision. When you have two visions... You have division. 
That's just how it works. So uh, this is our mission that we're to pull together in. Jesus said in Matthew 28, starting in verse 18, he said, All authority has given to me in heaven and on earth. And what part of the implication here would be, if we want to function in the authority, the power of Christ, that only comes when we're doing what he's told us to do. Like if, we're, if we got our own agenda, we're on our own. If we're living out Christ's agenda, then we can function in his authority and his power. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. So, so what does that mean? That means we're called to go, to baptize, and, and, and to teach. That, that's how we make disciples. Uh, I think it would also mean, you know, the going is the evangelism part of it, the gospel part of it. That would mean the disciple of Christ is someone who has responded to the gospel of Christ in repentance and faith, then been baptized as a public uh, identification with Christ and, and his church, and is now learning and growing in truth and in obedience. And so, you know, maybe for some of you, uh, you know, the, the call today is for you to repent and believe in Christ, to believe that you're a sinner, that he died for your sins, that he rose from the dead, and to respond to him turn your, in faith, turning to him, giving your life to him. Maybe some of you, uh, the step you need to take is you know Christ, but you've never publicly identified with him, never unashamedly confessed him through believer's baptism by immersion. We'll be doing baptisms later in, in January. I would encourage you to take that step. Maybe it's you know growing, learning more in him, but but, you know, as believers, then, we're to, again, to get saved, to get baptized, to be growing. But then the process is, if we're a disciple, then we're making other disciples. Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. We're to be helping others get saved, get baptized, and then grow in their faith. Disciples who make other disciples, meeting people where they are, and helping them become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now, our strategy then at True Life, the way we say it, there's four environments that we believe that you need to be plugged into in order to grow as a disciple of Christ. Okay, so it's four words. Closets, rows, circles, and streets. Closets, rows, circles, and streets. Does that sound weird? I hope it sounds weird, because if it sounds weird, maybe you'll remember it. So, yeah, our mission is to meet people where they are, help them become fully devoted followers of Christ. How? By you being plugged into closets, circles, rows, and streets. Now, closets comes from the idea of what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, when he said, go into your closet and, and, and go into your secret place and pray to your Father. It's the idea, if we're going to grow spiritually, it comes from having personal time with God. It comes, you know, prayer... <laughs> excuse me, Bible study, worship, just us individually connecting with the Father. Can you grow in any relationship without time? No. And that includes our relationship with God. Now, I'm not going to say much about that today because that's what we're going to focus on next Sunday, Lord willing. But that, that's closets. Okay, the idea of rows. Okay, you're sitting in rows right now, right? So rows represents corporate worship. 
And, you know, we're called to worship God corporately. Paul talked about, you know, the church gathering together on the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, uh, where we celebrate the risen Christ. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So he says, you know, consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. So can we consider one another if we're forsaking the assembling of ourselves together? No. Listen, I, I know it's, it's just it's the trend in, in the United States of America today within the church among professing Christians to minimize, downplay, diminish church attendance. That is not biblical, though. We need each other. And we need to worship God together. And so when he says, not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together, you know, we looked at the book of Luke. It says, it, of course, it was, you know, synagogue on Saturday then because he was Jewish. But it, it says it was Jesus' custom. It was his habit to do that every week. So one of the things I challenge you to do in 2024 is to make it your habit, to make it a commitment, to make it just a priority, to, to make it a, a, a settled decision. That unless we just can't be, we're going to be together in church worshiping God with our brothers and sisters in Christ on Sunday mornings. And, and listen, you know, if, if, you, uh, you know, if you have health issues or whatever, you need to participate from home, that's great. But if you don't, listen, church is way more than a sermon. And, and, and you see here the emphasis on one another. Do I need to be a church? Because of each other. Why? Because you need to be ministered to by other people. And sometimes you need to minister to other people. You know, sometimes when we least feel like coming, and every once in a while I don't feel like showing up, especially at 8 o'clock or 7 whatever when I have to get here now, um, Sometimes when we least feel like coming is either when we most need to be here for ourselves or somebody else. And so, uh, you know, there's some things, living with conviction is saying, okay, this is what the Bible says, I'm going to obey it, and just pre-deciding that. And so I, I just encourage you to do that with this area. Now, uh, you know, I pointed out the stuff that's under the seat. So let me just go ahead and throw this out. One of those things is, is a True Life Membership Covenant. And one of the things we do is, if you remember, we ask people to renew their covenants every year so we just know who's still on board. And so at the end, we're going to collect these forms. So if you're already a member and you want to renew your membership covenants, you can go ahead and sign that, turn it in, and, and just take care of that today. If you're not a member, I would just encourage you, if you like, you know, True Life maybe my church. The, way, the best way to figure that out is to go through the Discovering True Life class. The January class starts next Sunday. It meets the next three Sundays in January. It meets during the third service, and there's a place on the response form that you can sign up for that. Or, you know, you're not, you're not committing to anything. Just let us know you're interested. Uh, someone will follow up with you, answer your questions. And, you know, we'd love for you to take that next step. Here's the thing I know. I don't know if it's God's will for you to be a part of true life or not, but I know biblically it's God's will, if you're a Christian, to be plugged into some local church. And if you're going to be a true life, 
I encourage you to plug in. If you don't think True Life's the right church, find some other church and, and plug in there. But be somewhere because that is biblical. Okay. If you're a member of the church, I encourage you to use your gifts in serving uh, the, the body of Christ. You know, it really takes all of us working together. One of the things the New Testament teaches us is that we all have spiritual gifts. And so if you're not using your gifts, the body of Christ, people within the body, are going to miss out on something that God wants to give them through you. And you're also going to miss out on something in your own spiritual life because fulfillment and growth is not found in just showing up and occupying a seat. It's found in obeying God. It's found in letting God use us. And one of the ways that we do that is by letting Him use the gifts that He's given us. Uh, Ephesians 4, I'm just going to read verses 11 and 12 for time's sake, but it says, He Himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body uh, of Christ. And he goes on and he talks about more of what's accomplished. But what he says there is these leaders are to equip the saints, which is every believer, for what? The work of ministry. So, it's not just the pastors, the staff, the small group leaders, whoever. That do the work. We're all to do the work of ministry. We're to equip you and we're to all to serve together with the gifts that God has given uh, to each of us. And, and, and as we do that, the church is going to be built up, we're going to mature, so on and so forth, the things that goes on to talk about in, in, in that passage. But, you know, Rose is the corporate gathering of the church. It's so important that we worship God, that we hear His Word preached, but there's more to it than that. You see, there's more than one environment because there's certain things that need to be accomplished in each of these environments. And so when we talk about circles, really what we're talking about is small groups. See, you know, in, in rows, hopefully you're focused on the Lord, but, you know, practically you're looking at, you know, maybe the band on the stage, looking at me on the stage, but you're also seeing the back of someone's head, right, unless you're on the back row. Well, no, if you're on the back row, you're seeing a lot of people say, unless you're on the front row, sorry. That was a little backwards. Um, but, you know, in, in a small group, the reason we call it circles is because it's face-to-face. In a small group, there's relationships. There's friendships. There's people you can call when life falls apart at 1 o'clock in the morning. You know, in, in, a, in a worship gathering, you make acquaintances. In a small group, you, you, you make friends. You know, when the Bible talks about in Acts chapter 2, fellowship, sharing life together, that's what a small group is. It's a way to grow spiritually, to pray together, to study the Bible together, to have accountability, to have encouragement, just really to minister to each other. You know, and as a church, we don't have a lot of programs because it's our philosophy of ministry that we are a church of small groups. And so, I would encourage you, I know it can be a little intimidating at times, but just to take that step and try out a group or some groups, you'll be welcomed. And and, and I promise you, if you plug into a group, you'll grow spiritually. You know, Satan wants to isolate us and keep us on our own. Again, God wants us to live together in community as, as a family. And for those of us who are in groups, 
Um, you know, let's invite other people, make people feel welcome. Let's try to multiply birth, you know, start new groups, whatever uh, terminology you want to use. One of the things, Tyler, if you want to come on up here that we uh, try to, you know, celebrate and make you aware of is uh, starting Friday, I think, Tyler and Casey Swartz uh, starting a new uh, small group, which we praise God for. Uh, we're thankful for that. And Tyler, why don't you real quick just kind of give them the basic details if somebody was interested in, in coming and being a part of the group. Tyler, are you greeting after the service? You'd be out in the lobby if somebody wanted to find you and get some more info. Okay, so find Tyler in the lobby if you got more. <laughs> All right, awesome. All right, so, so the last thing, last of these four areas is, is the idea of streets. And streets, you know, Jesus said go out in the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. So it, it's, it's the idea of outreach. And biblically, and for us at True Life, that's local and global. A guy named Bob Roberts who coined a phrase, he talked about being a glocal church, you know, reaching your own community and reaching the world. And biblically, it's not either or, it's both and. And, and so, you know, I think some of the best things that God's doing at True Life have to do with missions. We've tried to emphasize that. You know, we do the monthly missions update, which we're going to go ahead and, and do right now. We want to emphasize that. But, but let me also uh, just remind us of the importance of reaching our own community, reaching the people in, in our lives. You know, we're called to do that. And, and one of the things that I want us to be aware of, I mean, it's, it's great that we're growing as a church numerically. But, you know, some of that is coming from people moving into the area who are already Christians and deciding to come to church here. And, and that's awesome. Uh, we welcome you. I think True Life's a good fit for a lot of those people because we're pretty eclectic and have people from all over and, and, and that kind of thing. And honestly, right now, there's so much growth in this area. If a church is doing things halfway like they ought to be doing them, you ought to be growing. But that's not the mission. The mission is to reach people who don't know Christ. So let's not confuse those two things. And, and let's remember that if you've lived in East Tennessee your whole life or you just moved here, uh, if you're new to true life or you've been here for 21 years, you know, if you've been a Christian for two months or 20 years, it's our mission to reach people with the gospel. And that's ultimately the point of, of, of this. Remember, Jesus talked about leaving the 99 sheep and go and find in the one lost sheep. We've talked about it true life for years. Who's your one? 
Who's your one? Who are the someone or some people in your life that don't know Christ that's your position to share the gospel with them? And just remember that's our responsibility. And, and really, most of our evangelism strategy at True Life, I mean, we do some events and outreaches, but for the most part, the evangelism strategy at True, at True Life is us. It's people sharing with people. And that's what we're called to do. Now, as far as missions, I'll just mention a couple of things, and then John will come share some about the international things. So I'll show you a picture of, uh, this is from the Constituting Service of Children of Christ, and these are their like original official charter members of Children of Christ Baptist Church. There was, I think, 72 uh, of them. And uh, that was an exciting way to, uh, to, to start things. Uh, you know, just one update. You know, I think we told you like in September and October, they baptized 31 people. Well, they baptized seven more people last Sunday, including Pastor Elias got to baptize a couple of his granddaughters. And, and, and so we praise God for that. And just encourage you to continue to pray for them. I mean, this is a beginning, not an end. I said, you know, to them that day, this needs to be a launching pad, not an arrival point. Uh, you know, we just pray that God would use them in, in, in planting other Micronesian congregations. And this next picture, we showed it to you before. It's an aerial view of uh, the building on the left there is La Grande Commission Church. But the two buildings uh, in, in the middle there, um, are they're now owned by First Baptist, but uh, us, True Life and First Baptist bought them together. Someone, for the most part, donated uh, th- those buildings, but it's for it's going to be for the Cumberland Ministry Center, the Kings Corner Air Church plant, being a part of that. So I ask you to continue to pray for that as we work out some of the issues of the building, establish uh, the ministry as we raise money uh, for that kind of thing. But also encourage you to continue praying for what's going on in Honduras with Mepi and the ministry there, some of the transition. We've talked about uh, them kind of losing the largest donor. Uh, it looks like God's solution to that is a merger with Mepi and another ministry. And I don't have time to go into the details of that, but some of that's still being finalized. It's a really important meeting with that on Wednesday. So, uh, you know, just continue uh, to pray for that as well. And so, John, come share with us.
Thank you, John. All right, so l- let's close. And, uh, you know, I mentioned these forms to you at the beginning. So if you, you take those, because we just don't want to, like, talk about stuff and say, uh, you know, this is what God's done at True Life in 20 years. I'm more interested in the future. And um, I guess the question would be is, you know, what's your part of uh, the, the, the future? How does God uh, want to use you? And so, again, if you're already a member at True Life and you want to u- renew your membership covenant, uh, you know, you can fill that out. Our, our group is going to collect these in a minute. Or if you're not finished by the time they come by, you can put uh, either one of these in the offering boxes. It'll get to you that way as, as well. Um, again, if, you know, if you're not a member, the way for you to you know, become a member would be going through Discovering True Life class. You can check that blank. But uh, you know, if you need to talk to somebody about becoming a Christian, getting baptized, joining a small group, you can check one of those blanks. There's a section here about ministries. And so if you're just interested in any of these ministries, we'd like to learn more, just encourage you to let us know, and we'll have the ministry team leader talk to you again. You're not committing to anything.